where it's like, Erica, it totally makes sense. You had, you had too fun of a week. You had too much fun <laughs> in Greece and you need to, you need to cut it back. remember what I say. Hello and welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde the podcast. Yeah. Is that what I say? <laughs> Should we start the episode this way? What do I say? <laughs> I left Greece. I'm what? depressed. What the fuck do I do here? I don't, that hasn't happened to me in a really long time. Hello and welcome to Finding Mr. Is it welcome? Do I say welcome? Hello? I don't do know. I, I kind of tune out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same exact thing every week. I don't know. All right. Yeah, we should probably just keep this in. Um, Okay, hello. Hello is Finding Mr. Right the Podcast. I'm Allie. I'm back with my co-host, Erica. I need to figure my shit out. We are back from Greece, and I clearly am not ready for the real world. We're not ready. It's been a tough couple days of a lot of procrastination from me uh, and not accepting that I have to work again. So it's all right, though. I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I successfully avoided jet lag again on the return trip, which I haters going to hate, and by haters, I mean Erica. But I am, I am attributing it to the Time Shifter app. I mean, the app just annoys me because it's like, yeah, obviously I would love to sleep for the whole plane ride, but I can't control that. You know what I mean? Like my Time Shifter app is uh, I stole a Xanax from my aunt and, <laughs> and that helped me avoid jet lag on the way there. So that was, yeah, that was my that- Time Shifter trick. Something about it, I think, really just appeals to my love of a schedule and love mm-hmm. of, like, something that's kind of dummy-proof. Like, oh, this thing told me – obviously, I it told me I should sleep for the whole entire 11-hour plane ride. That didn't happen. But, like – Exactly. But, it, but, like, okay, but just be – okay, just because that one <laughs> thing didn't happen doesn't mean the app didn't work. But, like, it appeals to my desire to, like, have a set it and forget it kind of thing of, like, it somehow feels easier to me to follow that regimen and then like mentally also feel better about it. Maybe it's psychosomatic. I honestly don't really care because I feel good. So like, even if it's just in my head, that's all, that's the only place it needs to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, whatever works for you. I just feel like you love a new app and a new I, or organizing definitely tool. Definitely love it. Definitely love a new are. app. Yes. Very much so. Very Where much I so. I look at the app and I go, I'll download this to use this one time this summer. I think I'll figure it out. I've, I've been fortunate enough to travel enough internationally that I've kind of figured it out that I do the game of you land and you have to stay up till it's bedtime where you are or wake up when you arrive. And it's like, get up and get going. But uh, yeah, I'm back. I am a little sad that I'm no longer in the grease sun, but it's I'm okay. very sad. I am very sad. We just had, we had the best time. I mean, we like, we recorded the last week's updates kind of towards the end of our trip. So, you know, we already talked about how amazing it was, but just can't emphasize enough how amazing it was and like the group chat is still going strong and I really feel like we made true friends on this trip in a way that I wasn't expecting like I I expected to have a good time but I I wasn't expecting the the depth of connection with people that we'd never met before in such a short period of time yeah I mean it's truly a gamble but uh I had a wonderful time I miss I miss hanging out with all these girls. I may have talked to myself out loud today a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was, I've been used to constant little chat time. So uh, I don't know who's going to Costa Rica, but big shoes to fill. Yeah, seriously. Better um, bring your bring your A game, ladies, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, 
So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Um, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was just truly amazing. Can't recommend it enough, um, especially, what I really can't recommend enough, especially, is taking photos of yourself with, like, 20 women hyping you up in the background. Yeah, and also, the little direction helps. Helps so yeah. much. And now I've been on a deep dive of like TikToks and Instagrams that show you different little poses to give you some ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also updated my dating app profile today. I went through so the grease pics, updated it, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we were joking on the trip that it's a good thing most of us, like very few people lived in the same city because we're all going to have the same exact background because once we would find a good photo spot, like everyone would take a picture in the same spot. <laughs> Right, exactly. So I'm very, very excited. Um, I have a little fun update with the Ooh. dating apps. I forgot to tell yeah. everyone. Yeah, so yeah. we were in the airport. I I don't know. I was just on my phone. And then I got the notification for the Bumble speed dating thing. Oh, on the way there. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. forgot to talk about this. Right, which I just, I remember getting the you know info for it. But I never was like on my phone exactly when it was happening. So we said, screw right. it. Let's, let's do it. I've never tried it. So it's inspired by Ted Lasso. And on the show Ted Lasso, if you watch it, you know they have this dating app called Banter. And the whole point of the app is you never see who the other person is. It's just purely based on the communication. Um, And you kind of blindly talk. Yeah. So I didn't think anything of that going in or remember till using the Bumble app. It basically automatically gives you a match. You do not see any picture and you do not see any information. You don't see height. You don't see, I don't even think you say age. You see nothing their profile you also couldn't if i recall correctly you couldn't change your preferences at all so that's the thing i'm wondering because i don't have bumble premium currently or any type of upgrade so i really have no filters on mine except for distance and i'm curious if you have those filters on does it show you only people within your filters or is this like hey whoever is in your mile radius and able to chat right now we're gonna pair you with to test it out that i don't know so I should try anybody, it because yeah. I could I could put on what I could actually just put even more like stringent filter filters than I actually use and see what happens. Right. I mean, it would be hilarious if they were like, "Oh, no matches." <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, you were too specific. Um, so <laughs> it matches you. And here's what I'll say is I think the good thing about it, it makes you talk right away as if you are on a little speed dating date, and yeah. it has a timer counting down at the top of the chat and it's three minutes which goes by i think even faster in a texting form than when i've done in-person speed dating because i've done oh, yeah, that was really five fast minutes. 
because I was watching over your shoulder and participating. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll be honest, it feels a little mean of you'll be chatting and you have the option to leave the speed date whenever you want. So you could immediately go, meh, next. And with the timer, it's like, obviously they'll know you did that. So I felt too mean to do it. I was pushing you to do it for the one dude. I know, but I'm like, unless someone says something really bad or really, you know, like gone with the wind, misogynistic. Right, like rude or something like that. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, guy just really I was, clearly wasn't a match for you. Yeah, I was like, I can wait 20 seconds, you know? <laughs> I can wait 20 seconds. Um, so this is what's interesting, though. After the convo, all it shows you is the tiny little icon. I That's... That was my biggest gripe with it because I expected going in for you to get their profile before you were going to decide if you were going to match with them after you talk to them, like after you get through the three minutes. Right. I understand the blindness and the speed dating of it. But after I thought it was very weird that I, one, could not enlarge the photo either. Yeah, it was so Kind of no clue on a lot of them. And it was just crazy. You couldn't see, at least give me deal breaker information like religion do they want kids? Like, I, yeah. What I, are they looking for? Because are they matching you with people that could just be looking for something casual? I don't know. Yeah, because you can't filter on that without being a premium user. So I'm sure they are. Right. But uh, I didn't end up matching with anyone. But I assume if you do, I would assume it just puts that whole chat in your chats. And then you would get and to see their I profile. Could see it. Yeah. Right. But then, but like how, like, that would feel really terrible on the other end if I mm-hmm. if I do this speed dating or do this banter thing, right? And I'm talking to somebody and we have like great banter for these three minutes and then we both match and then he unmatches me and I know for damn sure it's mm-hmm. because he saw me. Right? Exactly. Like there was something he saw that he didn't like or we didn't yeah. align with. Right. But- and like could – that I would just prefer that to happen before – so that I would just never know. Maybe he hated the banter. Maybe like I just I would rather not know that it was like definitely my profile. For sure. So my over my overall Bumble speed dating, not really a fan. I appreciate the concept, yeah. making something different. Cause like we said, people are tired of apps. All these apps are trying to do new things to get us excited or get us more engaged. Um, but I I'm I'm more of a uh, I saw they're doing live events and I would be more into doing that than doing the speed dating again. I want to go to one. Actually, one of the women on the trip, speaking of like new dating apps or whatever, was telling me about this dating app called Jigsaw, which as of right now is not live in New York yet, but I believe they are going live because I got like an email about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, I'm going to, it's basically a similar concept where you start blind and you're talking to somebody, but as you talk to them more and more, pieces of their picture show up like puzzle pieces. Oh, so it's kind of a weird combo of like this blindness. Right. And then. Right. And then like the talking profile. to them more unlocks more about them, basically. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. But I don't think they've launched here officially yet, but I, I'm interested to try it. And so last we spoke, I was about to have a video call with the publicist mm-hmm. from Greece. And we did have that. It was kind of funny because because of the time difference, we were like getting ready for dinner I had, we had like just done our like cocktails by the pool. I was like sitting out on our balcony, you know, all ready for dinner, whatever. And he was, it was like 11 a.m. and he was in between work meetings with his coffee. Mm-hmm. Very different vibes. 
So that was a little funny because like I, we talked for like 15 minutes in between his meetings and it was great. It was good to catch up and whatever, but it was just like, you know, it's like a little bit different than like a nighttime date kind of thing. Yeah. Not as sexy maybe, but definitely not. It was not sexy. It was certainly not sexy. Um, but it was good. And it was like, it was really good to see him. He said like, it's really good to see your face. Um, which was cute. And, you know, we had like good catch ups of, you know, what he has been, had been getting slammed at work. So was kind of telling me about some of the stuff that's going on there. Um, and obviously I was filling him in on more of our trip and, then like towards the end of the call, we were ta- I was talking about how I was bummed. You know, I was like, yeah, it's our second to last night. You know, I'm sad, et cetera. And he was like, well, I'll see you in two days. Like, I'm you just know, assumed great. like you're back. Y- I'll see you. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, I didn't really say like, will you? Because I just assumed, you know, yeah, of course. Right. Um, so that was great. And, you know, I really like I was saying last week, I felt like I really wanted to be the one to say, you know, hey, I really do want us to talk more while I'm gone and I want to do this video chat and I'm like, I, you know, I'm wanting to connect, create this connection and, mm-hmm. and, and I did. And I, I have to say, I'm in a little bit of like a, a funky headspace about it at the exact current moment that we are recording because I didn't talk to him for two days after I got home. Oh, you just didn't hear from him at all? Mm-mm. Interesting. So you've heard from like, this man like every day. I know. And so and I had been really consistently the one to maintain our connection and you know, keep things moving while I was gone. Yeah, I mean my theory is if you're the one going away, it's kinda yes. on you to set the cadence and reach out because the other person usually feels I don't want to bother you you're on vacation or say you're at a work conference whatever it is yeah it's kind of up to the person that left to be like no I want to keep this rolling I totally agree with you um at the same time I want you know I want to feel like he also wants to you know keep that connection and also is like excited to see me when I get back and yeah you know in in the same way that I was excited to like keep that connection I gotta be honest, I haven't felt that way in the last few days. Oh, that's tough. I know. And the thing that makes it the most tough is that one of the things that I liked the most about him, that I like present tense, I shouldn't use past tense, but it's just not currently happening. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that I like the most about him is how secure he makes me feel because he has never made me doubt that he wants to see me again, that he wants to talk to me, that he's like meeting me halfway mm-hmm. on everything, on expending effort and prioritizing time with me in the same way that I am. Right. And, and also it hasn't been the pattern. So there's been a pattern shift is what you feel. Right. And then on top of it, you're like, mm, this was this was the thing really drawing me to you. And now that it's not here, now what? It, it, Right. And it's, and it's like, I'm now, I think because of a lot of the work that I've done in, in the last several years, but especially in the last year, like I've worked really hard at being attracted to that security mm-hmm. and at not being activated and therefore attracted to people pulling away. Yeah, exactly. Which I de- absolutely have been in the past more and more mm-hmm. so when I was younger, but like also more recently too. 
because we always, you know, we're constantly working on ourselves. Or everybody always says it feels less exciting. But the excitement yeah. is just the anxiety coming into play of, For sure. of the games, of the relationship games, let's say, at the yes. games. And so, like, as a result, a a less healthy version of me would be, like, activated by this in, like, a, oh, he's pulling away. Uh, now I really need to see him more. You know, that. And mm-hmm. current me is like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. Which is a growth thing to say. You're like, hmm. This is a turn yeah. off. It's just a this turn, is a turn off. off. Right now. It's a turn off. And it's not a deal breaker at this stage. Like I, I'm very much still open to the rebound, if you will. But I'm in a place where I don't – this isn't the kind of conversation I would want to have via text message. I don't think this conversation lends itself to text message. No. And so I did end up texting him today and said oh, like – Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I said like, you know, how's your week going? And we're we're now actively talking currently, like as we speak. <laughs> well, not as we speak. I'm not typing as we speak, but and does it feel kind of like oh, nothing happened? Co- correct. Okay. Like on his end, I'm. I don't think that he. It doesn't seem like he perceives a difference. At right. the same like time, there wasn't, it wasn't on purpose that he didn't reach out. It doesn't seem that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think it's a little, maybe a little too early to tell. But at the same time, there's been no mention of when we're hanging out. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say I would. I'm not saying this is the right move. Maybe it's the toxic move. But I'd be a little bit of a stubborn bitch in this situation. <laughs> if I were you, I you well, know? like not trying to hold it against them, but at the same time being like, uh, one, I don't know if I would have texted. I might have been re- very stubborn of like, okay, you know, I'm coming back hello, am I going to hear from you? But I initiate the first reach out, I would be very stubborn of, I'm not going to bring up us hanging out then. So here's how I'm seeing it. I'm not, I, I'm, the, the, the outcome is going to be where you're at. I am not going to bring up the first hangout. <laughs> and like I said, I'm, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or telling you what to do. I just, I yeah, know myself no. and I'd be like, I'm not going to text him. And then I go, okay, I'm going to text him, but, <laughs> but I'm not initiating the plans, you know, like it's like little stages. Yeah, so the way I'm seeing it is more like I feel that I went more than halfway mm-hmm. in maintaining our connection while I was gone and also like saying, hey, you know, I, I'd like to obviously continue things now that I'm back. Mm-hmm. And I would like that energy to be matched. Right. And so I, I'm not looking to continue to like perpetuate a dynamic where I'm going more than halfway. Mm-hmm. And the person is not, not only not meeting me, but also not ever like seesawing it back the other way. Yeah. That's, to me, it's uh, I don't know what feels worse, not hearing from them or being in that communication where you're like, fucking put in an effort. <laughs> I'm doing all the work, you know, like I truly don't know what feels worse. I feel like doing the work feels worse. Eventually. Yes. I think where I'm mm-hmm. at now, no, because I mean, we've been talking for like an hour. Yeah. But, like, eventually for sure. But where I was at when I decided to text him earlier was, like, I think mental health-wise, it will feel better for me to just know mm-hmm. rather than wonder. Right. And and sure. knowing And knowing that he's been so straightforward and so communicative and so secure in his communication in the past, 
-hmm. my hope was that I would, that I would either like get validation that there was something else going on or whatever it is, or it was a blip and we can kind of move through it or something has shifted on his end and he would be open about that. Right. Because I think, I mean, relationships of dating and friendships, because I've had this of if someone is upset with you about something, it is up to them to bring it to you. 100%. Because we've all been upset about something and took some space and went, not worth bringing up. I'm over it. I'm going to move on. And there's nothing I hate more than chasing down, feeling like someone's mad at me. Completely. And not that I've done anything that would make him mad at me. No, not mad. But that's but just like, an example of this scenario where you're like, is something off? Yeah. Has something shifted? And right. I would like someone that would communicate that to me. That's what I would like in a partner. Exactly. Because we're in the early dating stages where we're deciding, like in any early dating stage, you're if you're looking for a relationship, you're deciding mm. if the person that you're dating is someone that you want to be in a relationship with. And I'm doing that and he's doing that. And it's okay if he's decided that I'm not that person. Right. But like use your mouth if that's the case or your fingers as the case may be. Yeah. Or like, I mean, you and, and I, if we're to start dating someone and then suddenly there is a shift, I feel like the majority of people would go, well, you have a dating podcast and maybe they listened and maybe you said something on there and blah, 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 blah. Not, not trying to put that anxiety in your head, but I feel like that's the easy go-to. And to that, I'd be like, obviously people find out I have a dating podcast quickly into dating me. It's not some secret. We have public accounts. Yeah, we have public accounts. You could go look at it, right? Like, and if it was the case, again, same exact thing as I said before, I'd be like, yeah, that's on you to come bring to me. Was there something I did social media wise or podcast wise that upset you? Please come talk to me about it. But if you're just going to shut me out, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. And, you know, he's known about this for a long time. I don't think that's what's going on. And also, if that were the case, I would want to be with somebody who would be able to say, hey, I, I, I saw this or I heard this and, y- you know, can we talk about it? Yeah. And uh, there's one person I dated, Eggs Benedict, for a long time when I had my pot. And he actually would listen to the pot all the time. Mm. And overall, he wasn't the partner for me and I don't think was a great partner. However, he actually was very great about this scenario and our kind of rule with each other was just he said well I just don't want to hear you say something on the show that you didn't bring to me so similar scenario of he would just be hurt if I'm saying you know a thought I had to you or something that upset me and I didn't bring it to him he's like I don't want to hear it like from a second source I want to hear it from you totally valid and I was like very fair very fair and I also would run stuff by him before I said it on the show like we're human we're not assholes (laughs) yeah yeah and I have run stuff by him like, mm-hmm. it's like the fact that he's like been in some of the videos, like his, his laugh or like his hand or whatever. Like I asked him about those things. Like we're very open yeah, about it. And so that's the main reason why I don't think that's what it is, is because he and I have talked so openly about my account and about the pod and about what I do and don't share Yeah, that I, I just, I just know that he's comfortable with everything I've shared because we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. So, and also you've gone on dates with other people, you're not doing anything wrong. No, definitely not. And because I, also I feel like that's be... all I've learned in my adulthood and dating is, oh, unless someone calls me their girlfriend and we have that conversation, 
They could be doing who knows what. And it's been the nicest of dudes that I never suspected were doing that and also dating other people, whether we were sleeping together or not. And it's been, you know, it's been all of them. That's the one thing I've learned. It's very like, God, what is it? I feel like there's these videos on TikTok and they freaking pop up in my algorithm and they make me like so angry because they're so true. And it'll be like, oh, oh, he invited. Oh, you met his parents briefly because they picked him up. Still not his girlfriend. Oh, you did (laughs) X, Y. Like it's all these little examples that you're like, damn it. I would think that mattered. But they'd be like, still not his girlfriend. If he's not calling you girlfriend, still not the girlfriend. I mean, the disco ball shared my podcast with his mom. Right. Shit like that. that You're like, oh, and I would feel like it mattered. And then when it doesn't work out, you go, oh, turns out it didn't. Turns out it didn't matter. Yeah. And I assume he's going on other dates. Like, I mean, you met on a dating app. So exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I think if I were in a place that I wanted to be exclusive with him and I was ready for that, I would say something to him and I trust that he would do the same in return. So all this to say that I don't yet know stay tuned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week, so and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link, also in our bios, to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft, Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge. Bring a date. Have a good time. and. You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. So on that note, uh, to get into topics, we did a couple uh, survey questions. So the episode today, uh, we're calling it marrying for money, but uh, it's not about the marrying for money that most women uh, do talk about, okay? We're doing a little little financial marriage episode because uh, one thing, I, I know I've said it, but I've never really looked it up, to be honest, is the classic, oh, you know, the government wants you to get married. There's so many financial benefits to getting married. And the number one one I think we assume is like, if you live with someone, you're already cutting down on just like living expenses, right? Sh- sharing sure. rent especially if you lived solo on your own and, you know, didn't have rebates. But uh, we did we did some research, a few different articles, and then we did some polls to quiz the listeners uh, what they thought some of these stats were that we found. 
Yeah. And, and I also want to say that I think obviously there's so much to this topic and, you know, we mentioned up front that we want to bring a divorce, divorce, divorce lawyer on to talk about like the financial risks of getting married because although there are some financial benefits, there are many, many financial risks. And I also think a really important piece of this conversation, which I have a guest in mind that I actually plan on reaching out to tonight, um, is the difference in financial benefit in heteronormative relationships for men and women Mm -hmm. from marriage. That like oftentimes marriage for women, if they're married to men, is actually a financial hindrance long term. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say they've done what? Those surveys of like who's the happiest in the world. And uh, the the top is single women in their Mm -hmm. 30s that don't have kids. Yeah. Yeah. So like from a, you know, earning potential perspective and also like the domestic labor that women are doing, like unpaid domestic Mm -hmm. labor relative to men like that, that is a whole other topic that I really want to get into, you know, with an expert guest in the future. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of these stats. So we will put all the articles that we're talking about in the show notes and where all, you know, we kind of got some of this information. And obviously, we're also just going to talk about our own experiences. So if you want to know, want to read more, you can check those out. But we're looking at articles from CNBC, from The Mike, from The Wall Street Journal. Um, so check that out. It's in the show notes so that you can, you know, we're citing our sources. The first stat that we found is that the net worth of married couples aged 25 to 34 is higher than cohabitating couples. So couples that live together versus couples that are married. How much higher? And the, I think o- the I options that three times. Yeah. So the options that we gave the listeners were two times higher, three times higher, four times higher, or five times higher. You guessed three times? I guessed three. Most people guessed three. 52% of people guessed three. It's actually four. Damn. The net worth of married couples is four times higher than cohabitating couples. I, I do want to mention, and this is a caveat for the entire episode, really, my favorite phrase, which is correlation does not imply causation. Meaning right. that, like, th- I think that there are many reasons, there are many, like, financial factors in getting married that I think lead to married couples having a higher net worth than cohabitating couples. Like, weddings are expensive or, th- you know, they're, there's just yeah. or communities in which marriage is more common could also have higher net worth, generally speaking. So just throwing that caveat out there. Well, well. we'll get into the reasons. One of the articles did highlight them very well. So, yeah. Okay, next one. In the 90s, nearly 60% of U.S. adults were married. What do you think that percentage was by 2019? I thought under 50. Because so I, know the options- the, I know the like average age people get married in the past 10 years has jumped to yeah. a much higher age. So I figured what, under 50. So the options we gave people were 70%. It's gone up. No one picked that. Um, still 60%. Also, no one picked that. <laughs> and then under 50, the vast majority, 65% said under 50. And they're correct. Under 50% of people as of 2019, people being U.S. adults, are married. I would imagine it's even lower than that now. Probably. I wonder if it counts because I I don't know if this is true, but I believe like divorce went up during the pandemic. And I don't know the exact number. So it'd also be like, okay, well, since 2019, there's a bunch of couples that were married 
uh, that are no longer. So, so also those are dropping. So not even about people getting married for the first time. It's like, mm, if those On divorce rates side. stay where they're at, it's going to go down. Yeah. Um, okay. The last one is married people can gift, save, and invest more than singles because of like for tax reasons, you can gift stuff to your spouse that's not taxed. Oh. You can invest in different ways. Funny, I feel like married. people people read gift as like giving people a gift. Like you go to a wedding as a married couple, can you afford to give more money than a single person? Oh yeah, you're right. That was maybe confusing. Funny, that's how I read it. <laughs> yeah, basically it's it's about it's about like the way that you can accrue wealth. So like married right. people are able to accrue wealth at a higher rate than single people without IRS penalties. Yeah, like a and big one is with the gift that I found in the articles was like if you're if you want to like give someone your car, it's an old car, you haven't used it, you want to give it to a friend or your so let's say your domestic partner, they're going to have to pay taxes on it or you're going to have to pay taxes on it. If yep. you're married, you just sign it over to them. No harm, no foul. Right. So that so they so they can invest in, and accrue wealth at a higher rate. How much more? The options we gave the listeners were 25% more, 50% more, or twice as much. I mean, I'd guess twice as much just because it's two people and I don't know the law. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Rourke. It, so sorry, everyone. <laughs> it is it is twice as much that you are correct in the answer, oh, but, but damn. it's it's the rate. So it's not it's not twice as much because it's two people. It's twice mm. as much the rate. So like when you combine okay. your money you are able to accrue even more because of the way that you're able to move money around without IRS penalties. And like, again, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, but that's, this is just the information. Again, the information we check got. the show notes. Yeah. Check the show notes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So all of this to say that there are a lot of financial benefits to being married, obviously mm-hmm. a lot of financial risks as well. Um, and I think that, you know, like you said, some of them are, more obvious, like you're sharing living expenses, but some of them not as much. Like something that I've thought about when I talk to friends who are married is that health insurance gets so much cheaper when you're that married. That was one that popped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's because so you're many not doing the things. individual cost of like starting a plan. It's like you have a plan and then it's almost like a little upgrade of adding someone on additional money. Right. Okay. So since we kind of touched on it in one of the polls about Basically, okay, just because you got married doesn't mean automatically, you know, your wealth is going to increase and your finances are going to increase. Like, yeah, yes, maybe with taxes, there's a little bit more of a tax break you get. So one of the things it said in the Wall Street Journal article that I found interesting was the research suggests that financial security and long-term mindset of those who are married is a very powerful driver of wealth because... Because more married couples pool their money, such as savings and investing together, to achieve certain goals. So it's like, as a married couple, you are more likely to sit down and say, what are our goals? And map it out. Because, obviously, you know, everyone's an adult and a lot of couples do have, you know, separate accounts still. But it makes it like, what do we want? What do we need to do to get there? And I would even say, it also holds you accountable. Yeah. That it makes you like, oh, I can't be as reckless when I want to be with the money because I'm sharing it now with this other person. Right. And because legally your debts have become theirs, mm-hmm. depending on the prenup you have. 
which is a whole other thing that I definitely want to talk to a divorce lawyer about. <laughs> get a prenup. Yeah. Um, that is in every article. No matter, They're like, get no a matter who you are, no matter who you are, get a prenup. Um, get a prenup. Divorce is expensive. Yeah. Get a prenup. Yeah. Every article. Basically, after every <laughs> sentence that we say is going to be get a prenup. Um, <laughs> but you know, depending on the prenup agreement you have, their debt becomes yours. So, and your debt becomes theirs. So it's like, you're thinking about that more is what the research shows. And cohabitating couples are also less likely, statistically speaking, to combine their finances and their investments. And -hmm. I think the investments piece is a big part of that stat that we talked about earlier in terms of the higher rate at which married couples accrue wealth. Yes. A lot of that is A, due to the you know, more planning that you're, that you mentioned, but also the fact that you're pooling money together and then investing that pool of money. Right. And And more money begets more money. Like compound interest is a very powerful thing. Right. And interesting. So our guest next week, we should bring this up with her briefly because Jordana Abraham, and you might know her from the UAP podcast. She also does this oversharing podcast with her sister now, who's a therapist. So she did, and I've never really heard of people doing this before. Uh, when her and her partner moved in, they were not engaged yet. However, they got a bank account together to put money in for just the rent and utilities, et cetera. And a big part of it was because they were getting all new stuff and they were arguing over like the credit card points of who <laughs> gets to put it on their card. So they opened a new bank account to mainly then open actually joint credit cards together. Mm-hmm. And so they made it like, okay, we're moving into this new place, everything we buy together. And, you know, they both make enough money to just evenly split it and not have to think about it, which is a privilege. But I found it very interesting that she was, she really liked doing it because it made them start talking about money. And also she said, that's a real way you see into the spending of your partner. And also like, how do they pay their credit card? Do they pay the whole amount at the end of the month? Do they just pay the minimum? Like, and it was something that, I don't know, it was the first time I ever really heard of people doing that uh, before getting married. Because, you know, obviously with this stuff, it's saying like, yo, you pull stuff together. And I also sit here and say, okay, well, you know, if if I'm not married, I, I don't want to pool stuff because that makes it even messier if it if we end up breaking up. But I kind of like, I kind of really like her idea of like a bank account, you just put the rent money in there and and paying the credit cards off together if you use it for stuff that you're, you know, doing together, I think is a nice way of kind of starting to bridge the gap of really learning the behind the scenes of how your partner handles their money and their spending. Absolutely. I would absolutely want that kind of joint bank account for our shared expenses. My roommate and I, my best friend from college, who I lived with for seven years, we did that. Really? Yeah. For our rent and our electric and that stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. And it just, it, it helped a lot to just not have to think about who was paying, like, oh, I paid for the electric this month, or you paid for the cable, or like, we just both contributed what we were supposed to contribute into the account that the things came out of. Yeah. And then it was just easy. And similarly, we bought all of the furniture together in the apartment. Right. Like, that's a big thing that you're like, I mean, I just think of it, the credit card points alone, and you get the most points when you open a new card. So it's like. And then she said, and then we would then have the conversations of how do we spend our points? And they would use it to go on a trip together and stuff like oh, that. I love so that. I kind of feel like it's a nice in-between of, of a bit of a testing the water situation of not immediately combining everything, but like, okay, we're living together or whatever the stage is. You go, let's get the joint thing and 
I don't know, kind of go for it in that way. Because a big thing it said is just married people are much more likely to have these conversations around what goals they want for their financial future. So there is something very special and unique about deciding to finally share finances officially. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense that that it seems like that's a step that you have when you're deciding to get married or, you know, when you are married. And I really like the idea of having it sooner of like, what are our goals, especially because you and I are on the same page that moving in with somebody means that that is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And we want, we want us both to be on the same page with that. And so for me, I think that would make a lot of sense to have those conversations up front, but I think it often doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's the point the article makes. It says married people are just more likely to be on the same page. Yeah. And, you know, I think another thing that the Wall Street Journal article mentions that we talked about earlier is that socioeconomic factors definitely play a role between this because there is a correlation with the higher your income, the likelier it is that you'll marry. Yeah. And something I said earlier in the article was our generation is waiting till they reach a certain point financially to even get married. So it's a little combination of the mindset of like, and I think a big part of it is a lot of millennials are not doing as financially well as their parents did. So if that's like your frame of reference, you're sitting there going, okay, well, I don't think I have enough money for kids yet or enough money for a house yet or all these other things. So that also might make you get married later and naturally, you know, you make more as you go through more years of experience at whatever your job is. Right. So like that kind of goes back to the whole, you know, correlation and causation thing that like, yes, married couples statistically have higher net worth than those who aren't married. But there's a piece of it that like people are waiting or that people that make more money are more likely to get married and all of that. So one thing I found interesting that I mentioned was that whether you're married or not married, it was saying that pooling your finances together, um, those couples experience a greater relationship satisfaction and might even stay together longer. So this made me want to look up bank account stats of like how many couples are fully sharing their account or have separate accounts and whatever. So the stats I found amongst it's all U.S. couples that are either married in a civil partnership or live together. Mm-hmm. So between all those, 43% have only joint bank account. So nothing separate. Every, everything's combined. All their money is combined. Wow. Okay. All their money's combined. And I guess that also means all your money is going into one place. Yeah. Uh, 34% of couples have a mix of the joint and the separate. And then 23% have completely separate accounts. And millennials are the most likely to have separate accounts of any generation, with 69% having at least some finances in separate accounts. This I wasn't surprised also with the getting married later. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because I think with getting married later, you've had more time to establish not only your own money, but also your own spending habits and your own budget and the way that you want to spend your money. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense to me that you would want to continue that in some way, even after you're married. Like I think I would want a separate bank account for my own personal spending that like, not because I want to hide anything or not because I think, you know, I need to get things approved, but just so that it's like easier. Yeah. And I, and a lot of couples say often the number one thing you'll fight about is financially related. Uh, Mm -hmm. And especially if you're in a relationship where you say, I'm more the spender, they're more the saver, right? And I've known married couples that were fully joint and then they ended up each having a separate account. They get a little money in each month that they separate. And it was just because it'd be like, 
if the wife went shopping and wanted to buy herself a dress, she was like, I didn't like that there was like a credit card where they would see the thing and ask me like, what was this for? Why was it this much? Where you go, okay, this is my budget every month to spend freely. That's your budget every month to spend freely. You know, to each their own. Right. Um, Like whatever we want to spend it on, we could spend it on like literal dirt and it doesn't matter. Like you can buy whatever you want with that money. Right. And however, this is an interesting stat. One third of couples say that they have committed some form of financial infidelity. And the most common one is spending more than their partner would be okay with on something. How do we define financial infidelity? Like hiding, hiding something financially? I think it would be hiding or lying. So I feel like doing the little separate account makes it, like we said, that's your, say, $500. That's your money. You want to spend it all on one thing? I'm not going to (laughs) know. Yeah. I mean, I basically do that with myself currently. Like right. I have my amounts that I obviously my my mortgage and the things that I have fixed every every month, but then I also have the amount that I want to invest, the amount that I want to save, and I put those in separate places, whether those are investment accounts or savings accounts. And then I have my little fun money that I can fully spend one hundred percent of every month mm-hmm. on whatever I want and still be reaching my financial goals. Yeah, that's very. It's just very clutch in general to plan, whether you're in a couple or a single person. And that was a point one of the articles made is it was like, hey, there are a lot of financial advantages to being married, whether it's because your income doubled or your housing expenses went down. And it said the best thing you can do if you're a single person, especially, is talk to a financial advisor. Figure it out with a financial advisor of basically say, hey, if I am to be single for the rest of my life, let's approach it that way. What do I got to do? What am I doing that's bad? What am I doing that's good? How can we get these in place? And the best I've had success with is making things automatic. Yeah. And that's really helped me. It's just like everything everything that I do is automatic. And that and that's what I how I know how much I'm left with. Like all mm-hmm. of my savings, my investment, my 401k, you know, my mortgage, all that stuff is all automatically gone. And then what's ever left in my little checking account, that's how much my credit card bill gets to be that month for the stuff for my like frivolous stuff. Yeah. It's funny. I do this I do the same thing, but I also kind of was lucky in a way. Granted, I, I don't, I've never made like a crazy amount of money like within a year, right? But I've always been a hustler and having multiple jobs with having comedy at night and something during the day. Right. And so over many, many years when I had a day job, I would be very disciplined of my day job is what I live off of and I would make the other income what I would save or put into you know investments, retirements. And mm-hmm. it also just mentally made it kind of easy for me it was like, okay, that money that comes in from comedy is just immediately goes away. You don't even see it. Act like you make this this original income as yeah. is. I did it kind of the other way when, I mean, now I get I have two jobs again. But when I had two jobs when I first graduated college and I was waitressing on the weekends, I did it the other way. Where the only money that I allowed myself to use for like, quote unquote, frivolous purposes. So for fun. To eat. <laughs> fun. Yeah. yeah. For fun. The only money that I allowed myself to use for fun was whatever tips I made because servers make no hourly rate. I made like $4 mm-hmm. an hour. So it was really just tips. And so whatever tips I made that weekend, that is, that was my fun budget for the week. And when the cash ran out because it was all cash, I was yeah. done having fun. <laughs> yeah. That's actually something It wasn't in these articles, but I read this book called like rich dad, poor dad. Um, mm. It's a great book, especially if you're new into trying to invest and and say you don't know much about money it's written by someone that was that knew nothing about money one of the things they said in the book that was a tip is 
carry cash with you and use your cash to spend. And we're the generation of credit card points in the credit card game. However, a lot of people get into trouble and end up spending more than they realize. And when you have the cash in your hand, you physically see it leaving. You physically see it going down and you're like, wow, we spent too much yesterday. Let's lighten the load today. Yeah. It takes a very big mindset shift to see your credit card as a debit card. Yeah. Which is how I see my credit card. And I, I know you do too. Like you're, you're paying it off every month. Like credit card interest rates are going to negate the benefits that you get from the points. Credit card points don't matter if you're paying high interest rates. Like you need to pay it off every month in order to make the points worth it. <laughs> right. Um, I actually pay mine so, every week, which I know technically oh, yeah. does not make your score higher, but it's because I like watching the money in my bank account go down. Where it's like, Erica, it totally makes sense. You had you had too fun of a week. You had too much fun <laughs> in Greece, and you need to, you need to cut it back. The way that when I was first, my fir- very first job was at Bloomingdale's, like my first corporate job, and we we got an employee discount, but our employee spending had to be. This is so outdated. I'm sure it's not this way anymore. It had to be on an, a special employee card that was basically a debit card that we had to go to the store and put money on. What? That's crazy. Yeah, it was a very it was extremely antiquated. And was it because you had like a limit of how much you could spend with the discount or no? No, there was no limit, but the limit was how much money you put on your card. It was almost like you had wow, a gift okay. card. Like you had to load it. Yeah. Uh cuz my cousin currently works for Gucci. And so mm. she gets a certain percent off at like the outlets or the regular store. However, yeah. there is a limit to how much she yeah. can total spend. Most, re- most retailers and- have a limit now. Right. And I feel like that's mainly so you can't, you know, buy everyone in your family the Gucci bag, whatever percent yeah. off situation. Or like there's a lot of fr- there's a lot of discount fraud where people will buy things and then resell them. Like that's very, very, oh, very not allowed. That. Yeah. But people do it. Yeah. Um, but funny so- her limit. It's like totally based on your income because they know what your income is. So they're yeah. almost like they almost budget it for you where they're like, listen, all right, you, you can should afford- not spend. <laughs> yeah. You can afford one bag a year, honey. All right. Don't don't overdo it. <laughs> and like, what are you doing that with that second bag? You don't need that second bag. Right. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so I got very used to thinking of a credit card as a debit card because the first credit card I had literally was mm-hmm. because Same. I had to put cash on it. Mm-hmm. And so so that's that's how I think about it. That said, I did end up in credit card debt in, I think I was like six or seven years into working. It was after I stopped waitressing. And I like got a little loosey goosey. Yep. And next thing you know, I had credit card debt. I obviously got out of it. I'm well now. I'm not debt free because I have a mortgage. But but <laughs> no, I don't have any credit card debt anymore. And but it's it's easy to have that happen and kind of spiral on you. Now we're kind of like no 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 field, very but, easy though very easy. yeah it's very real I mean, that that yeah. could be a whole nother episode is credit card debt uh, absolutely. And I think actually this kind of loops back to having had those conversations with the spouse because I remember my boyfriend at the time was extremely judgy about my credit card debt and in a not, really not cool way. He was like, mm-hmm. anytime I was, I had a plan, I was actively paying it off at the time. And, but anytime right. I would spend on something that he didn't think made sense to spend money on, he would mention my credit card debt, mm-hmm. which was just not cool. And like, obviously we weren't married. I'm like, this doesn't affect you. Like this is Also, my it's not life. like he lent you money. Right. That's a whole yeah. nother thing. Say, so, say totally. your friend's like, I'm strapped for cash. Can you, can you lend me $500? And then you're with them and they're, yeah, like extravagantly spending on something. And you're sitting there like, you did not pay. You owe money me money. Back. But he's not the yeah. bank, you know? Right. Right. Like he, like you have nothing to do with this. Also, like I have a plan. Like it's yeah. not, you know, 
I also have a plan and it's none of your business. But I do think that comes back to married couples potentially being more likely to have those discussions together. Mm-hmm. And maybe that debt is less likely to happen or more likely to get paid off sooner because you're having those conversations and both planning together. And yeah, in that case, something. it would be his problem. Yeah. And that's something I actually had someone I knew find out about their partner's credit card debt because they went to live together. And when you go mm. to live together, you give all your info and they do background checks and they didn't get an apartment because of their partner's credit card debt. Ooh, rough. And that's like a rough phone call to get of she knew they never told her oh. and, but it made so her like, bring it up. So like the landlord or the man or the leasing company or whatever told her that was the reason. And that's how she found out. Yeah. Basically like the, the landlord decided to not go through with it due to the credit card debt they saw oof. that they'd rather take the chance of another applicant application. Yeah. Understood. Oof, oof, but oof. again, makes you have that conversation. And that's something that, I forget which article, but there was a note of, yeah, a lot of times you don't, you don't know financially until you fully like get into bed with people, which can be a very terrifying thing. Yeah. Early on in, they don't do this anymore and I miss it. Have you ever watched Married at First Sight? I think I've only seen like a little bit of it. I haven't watched like a whole season. Yeah. So, you know, high level for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is what it sounds like. People literally get married at first sight to a stranger that they've never met, never seen before, quote unquote, matched by experts using a very judgy tone Mm -hmm. in my voice for a reason on that. Uh, Because I don't think there's any matching going on. I think they're like putting people together for TV value. But but they used to have a an episode where the couples would sit down to discuss their finances and they would be looking they were like going to look for an apartment together now the show provides them with an apartment and so they don't have to have that conversation but Mm. they used to sit down like literally when they got back from their honeymoon having just met five days prior and have a conversation of okay what can you can afford in rent what can i afford in rent what do you make and it was this extremely awkward conversation in all of these episodes but really real yeah i mean you have to have it you yeah. can't you can't front once you get married. Like uh, I have access to all your stuff indirectly just because I'm now your spouse. So right. if something ever happened to you, I'm gonna inherit all the debt or you know savings that you had. Either mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the CN- CNBC article called "Marry for Money" because you know catchy title. <laughs> um, so aside from kind of tax benefits, they broke down a few different things. So. Being married uh, can also mean important social security benefits. So it broke it down into time frames. So after just nine months of being married, you are eligible to collect future widower social security benefits. Then after one year of marriage, you and your spouse are eligible to collect future spousal benefits. And if you stay married for 10 years, you're eligible for divorced spousal and divorced widower benefits. So that yeah. was something that happened to my grandma. They got divorced, but they were married so long, she got some of his um, pension and Social Security. Oh, when he passed away? Uh, oh, wait. No, oh, or just alive. in general? It was just in general. So maybe it wasn't Social Security. It was definitely part of his pension, though. But the spousal because benefits. Because she was yeah, not yeah, working divorce at the time. Interesting. Yeah, yeah the, the widow Social Security benefits, uh, you know, I, I have, unfortunately, a, a lot of insight into things that happen when your spouse oh, yeah. dies. Um, and I, I've said to my mom that she 
honestly could run a consulting company helping mm-hmm. people whose spouses pass away because there's just so much that nobody tells you that you have to deal with. And one of them is dealing with all of these things like social security benefits and making sure that you're going to be able to receive them or if they have insurance and you know all that stuff or if they had debt, what happens to that debt? Mm-hmm. There's so much. Um, but yeah, that that is a, a major piece of it. Although I I also know, and the article mentions this, that the way that it works, and it sounds like because you mentioned your grandma wasn't working at the time. Yes. The real way that you're able to get this these benefits is if there's a big income disparity between mm-hmm. you and the spouse who passed away or you and the person that you're divorced from. Sim- it's a similar thing with income tax. Like the income tax breaks that you get in a mar- as a married couple, they're not that great if both of your incomes are similar. Mm-hmm. Where it becomes really advantageous is if one person makes a lot less. Yeah. So if you, in terms of widowing, lose the person in the relationship that makes significantly more money or, say, is just the breadwinner, like my grandmother was a stay-at-home mom, right? it's a tremendous value to be married and get those benefits. Because if you're not married, usually you get absolutely nothing. And yeah. another big thing, too, I saw this, uh, I think it was a story on TikTok, and it was a woman living with a guy and they were older and it was very like, we don't have to get married. I don't need the paper, blah, blah, blah. However, he was still legally married to his ex. That guy died. And they said this woman got kicked out of the house. The other woman shows up, the ex shows up and gets everything. Got no. absolutely everything. And the point of the TikTok was like, you could sit there and say the paper doesn't matter. It matters. The paper it matters. matters. The paper matters. Yeah. Like. And, you know, the second wife, or not wife, sorry, the second girlfriend, I guess. Uh, yeah. She was the one that, like, took care of him through all that sickness and for, oh you know, God. 15, 20 years. What a nightmare. Right. And, and everybody was like, mm, the paper matters. The paper matters. The moral of the story is the paper does matter at the end of the day, especially if someone else has the paper currently. Yeah. Yeah. Tie up that bow. The- <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think an important thing to note, which we mentioned earlier, too, is that, like, those spou- those future spousal benefits and the you know future widow or social security benefits etc generally speaking now i don't think offset potential lost income mm-hmm. of if somebody has decided not to work and then you know something happens to their spouse the spouse that is working those social security benefits are n- more than likely not going to offset the wage potential of that person so like you know, it's not, it's not like a, yeah, it's not what it used to be. Social security. Right. Because I think like when we're thinking back to, you know, in our grandparents' generation, our grandmother's earning potential was Mm -hmm. far lower than our grandfather's Mm -hmm. earning potential. And while that is still true that men's earning potential is higher, fuck the patriarchy. It's not at the disparity is not as great. Right. So like the amount that we could potentially benefit from or any lower earning spouse could potentially benefit from is not nearly as high as the lost earning potential of not working. Mm -hmm. So, and that's something that, like I mentioned earlier, I would love to get a guest on to talk more about. Um, Interesting because this article, oh no, it was the next one, the Mike article brought up a interesting point. So couples that make about the same amount of money may find that they're slapped with what financial advisors called marriage tax penalty meaning the tax burden actually increases after marriage because their household income doubled. Right, because now they're in a new tax bracket. Right, like so basically if you both make enough money or just one person makes enough money that they're in a much higher tax bracket, suddenly 
you're being taxed at that rate because your income now is combined. You don't get to file mm-hmm. separately anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's where like having the income disparity means generally speaking, your combined tax bill is going to be lower. Um, the other thing that I have heard consistently from friends who have gotten divorced is little things that you don't really think about, like car insurance. I actually had somebody, this happened to my friend, but I also had a listener DM me in response to one of our polls and said that when she got divorced, her car insurance premium went up significantly, despite the fact that her driving record had not changed. Like somehow she is more dangerous on the roads as a single woman than a married woman. Yeah. And same with like life insurance, because it's like you're, you're more likely to take care of yourself when you're married has apparently been decided. Right. Or like some, there'll be some, yeah. Like who the fuck live longer or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But she was like, who decided that I'm a safer driver? She, Mm -hmm. and like my friend, one of my friends actually made the funny comment. She was like, I'm a safer driver now because I am not as angry. (laughs) I'm like, that's, she's like, I am, I am so much more focused on the road because I'm not thinking about this shitty marriage that I'm in. I'm so much happier. They Mm -hmm. should reward me for that. Yeah. And interesting, a point this article also brought up, which I was kind of surprised, but I guess it makes sense is Mm -hmm. so being single, if you're a single person, it's beneficial from a tax perspective. If you have kids. Right. Cause they're dependents and they're tax write-offs. Right. So, but it was something that I'm like, well, you can do that when you're married as well, but maybe it's, it's, I guess, more of a significant impact as a single person, as opposed to like, I I guess, imagine the dependent amount you have to split between another person, I guess. Yeah. Although like, obviously you're spending a lot of money on those kids. So like it, you know, net, it's a, it's a net negative, but (laughs) it is, it is a, it is a tax advantage. So what I liked about this article too, was I felt like it had a nice little ending, especially for the single people. So basically it makes the point in the article when it comes to taxes, yeah, marriage has a bigger benefit uh, or, you know, two partners incomes or if you want to share property or you're saving for retirement. Otherwise, though, it is very okay to be single. And all the financial experts they spoke with told told the writer that they would never recommend their clients get married for the money. Even if it could be, you know, advantaged uh, economically, say your partner, you know, makes a lot more money than you. And it has a quote, a bad relationship is not worth it. Divorce is really, really (laughs) expensive. Cut to our divorce lawyer guest. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the best case scenario obviously would be to have these benefits while also being in a wonderful supportive partnership. That's literally what it says. It's like the, the, the dream is, yeah, shared the home expenses, health insurance with a supportive partner. Right. Like it's not worth it. Don't do it just for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I find all of this stuff fascinating and I, there's obviously so many moving pieces and so many facets of it. So, you know, if, if anybody has like pieces of this that you'd like to hear more about, or, you know, oh, we'd love an expert on that topic. Obviously we've mentioned a divorce lawyer multiple times, but we'd love to hear from you. Findingmrright.com slash podcast. You can submit suggestions or questions or, you know, things you want us to dive deeper on. This is obviously a very huge topic that, you know, we couldn't possibly cover in only one episode. Yeah, especially especially any good guests that you like, uh, their money advice would be great. Totally. And with that, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.